Well, good to see everyone here this morning. As uh, Pastor Mark said, we're, we're excited just to see what God's doing in this community. And so we're glad you're joining us for uh, just a, a good time as we're, we're kicking off a sermon series, Belief. And many of you that were around this summer, we took a poll and we said, what would you like to hear about? What would you like to learn? And so we tabulated all of the results and this came in as the number one. We, we talked about belief in the age of skepticism. And what are some questions and doubts that you might struggle with? And so we're going to explore that in the coming weeks. And then after that, the, the second most voted thing was we're going to look at a, a book of the Bible in the New Testament. We're going to explore the book of James. And so we feel like there's something for everyone, whether it's this sermon series where we're going to question some of the, the beliefs and look at Christianity and today is almost a prequel of that if you will. But today we're, we're going to look at, speaking of beliefs, uh, last week many of you know I was talking about the Raiders and Rams being a Raiders fan and uh, that didn't go so well. So somebody this morning said, hey, welcome to the team and they got me a Rams, a Rams shirt. But I said that that would be great. Somebody in the service right before gave me a Raiders pin, so I said, that'll be great to put my Raiders pin right over the middle. So I still believe, even though the Raiders didn't look so good, but I'll adopt the Rams as a second team, I guess. So belief, staying strong. So we're going to talk about belief today, though. How, how do we, everybody believes, whether you're a Christian or not, whether maybe you would consider yourself an atheist, and uh, wherever you're at, we're glad that you're here. That in this sermon series, I, I want you to know that we and I respect you, and that, don't worry, it's not an earthquake, that's the AC just kind of rumbling. Some of you are like, what? We're all right. One day it's going to really be an earthquake, I'm like, don't worry everyone, you're all shaking. I'm like, it's just the AC. And uh, so, anyway. But everybody has beliefs, and, and so I want you to know during this sermon series that you are respected wherever you are at in the spectrum of, of faith and Christianity and belief. But, but I do want to argue uh, persuasively and, and kindly that all of us have beliefs. And, and that's what we're going to explore today. Whether you consider yourself atheist or you consider yourself a Christian that, or you have a different religion, you're just here today joining us, that everybody has a system of beliefs. And, and so we might not realize that, but what I want to propose is that today often many people, and you might find yourself in this category, where you don't believe in a God, yet what you believe in the common humanity. And, and this term, as uh, scholars put it, it's humanism. And so humanism, by definition, is not believing in a higher supernatural power, but believing in, in the good of humanity. And believing that with rational thinking that you can help others and do it to others as you would do to yourself. And so there's this idea in humanism that you just do things for people. You, you want to help those who are weak and be kind to them. My argument today, and, and as persuasively and kindly as possible, is that this is based on a leap of faith. And, and that it actually isn't rational evidence and a conclusion. And in fact... It's not, um, you can't naturally come to that conclusion without a series or a system or a step of faith, which many often accuse Christians of saying, well, I just don't know how you can take a step of faith. I believe, as Nacho Libre's assistant, Stephen says, I believe in science, right? And many of us, and we kind of giggle at that because it's funny 
but it, there's, there's some truth that science, there's a belief in it. Science will only carry us so far. And so there is, there are, and we're going to explore that here today. We're going to look at what scholars look at, and a lot of this is credit to Dr. Timothy Keller and so much of his research. And so we're adapting that here in this sermon series and applying it to our culture and our context. So we're going to explore what not only he looks at, but scholars, whether Christian or secular, look at five different things because we can hold these human, that hold to humanism and maybe secular thinking where we don't believe in God, but we might not realize, we say, well, I, I've come to these conclusions by science and rational because rational thinking, I don't believe in miracles. Yet, I, as I said, I want to propose that that is a step of faith. And we're gonna look at five ways that we've now, humanism is what we in this day and age just view as normal. But I, I wanna show actually how Christianity has influenced and God even from the beginning of time has influence the way we as a culture think. Now, scholars believe that there are five things in Western classical thinking, the Greeks and the Romans, there's five concepts that clashed in the day and age when Jesus came about 2,000 years ago. There was a clash of societies, beliefs. Christians believed one thing, and the Greeks and Romans, they had a series of beliefs that clashed with Christianity, and so we're going to look at those five things. So go ahead, pull out your notes. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at the five things. I'll, I'll give them to you right now. They're not the boxes, so don't rush to fill out the boxes, but they're the body, history, the individual person, human choice, and emotions or feelings. So if you're taking notes, we're, we're going to look at the first one, the body. And, and that isn't the box, but you can write that just above your first box. Go ahead and write the body. And, and this is where Classic thinking and Greek philosophers and uh, the Greeks of the time and the Romans believed in the value of the mind and the spirit. They believed that the mind and the spirit was to be valued and the body, the flesh, if you will, didn't have a lot of value. And they believed that, well, it's, as long as your mind's in a good state, don't worry about your body. It's all going to rot away. And so in some sense, Christianity, Christians believe in this, that same philosophy. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans. He says, do not conform to the patterns, pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So as Christians, we believe that it is very valuable to engage our faith, our beliefs with our mind. And so we would agree with the Greeks and Romans, yet here's how we would differ, that in the philosophy in the day and age of the Greeks and the Romans, they would say, the mind's important, but don't worry about the body. Jesus says, God says, no, the mind is important, but, but so is your body. And, and we see this from the very beginning in the Judeo-Christian belief in Genesis 1.27 says this, the, the picture of creation. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31 goes on to say this. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So God looks at Adam and Eve as he just creates them, and he says, it's not just good, but he says, this is very good. Mind, soul, body, everything about humanity because they are what? They are created in the image 
of God. Now, some of you that are followers of Jesus might say, well, Rob, that is pre-fall. So before sin enters into the world, so you have Adam and Eve that are perfect in the state, and God is able to say this is very good, but then sin enters the picture. So that's no longer the case. But I would argue God does not give up on humanity, and, and in fact, the basis of the Christian faith is on the incarnation, not nacho libre incarnacion, so many, sorry, uh, but incarnation of Christ, Christ coming down, the God of the universe becoming flesh. So it says this in John 1.14, the word, which is Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God enters into humanity. He enters into our pain and our suffering. He doesn't say, I I'm just this ethereal spirit and I don't need to be down with people. No, he enters into our positions into our pain into our suffering he takes on physical form flesh and blood and in fact Paul writes in Corinthians he says this do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God you are not your own you were bought at a price therefore honor God with your bodies so if you're taking notes the physical world matters to God this is the first box. The physical world matters to God. So this means that when you are going through, maybe you have friends, maybe you're going through physical ailments yourself. It, you're dealing with our body's not functioning the way it should, and it, it's devastating. And maybe, maybe you're struggling with pain or chronic pain. I want you to know that God cares. Not, God isn't just saying, well, someday you'll be in heaven and everything's okay. God enters into this space and time and wants you to know that he enters into your pain and he wants to bring healing to your body. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing is history. You can write that above the second box, history. That where the Greeks and the Romans clashed with Christianity was in the view of history. Now, now Greeks thought that history was cyclical. In, in many ways, we believe that this is true, that the errors of our past are often repeated, aren't they? That as you study history, even our U.S. history, I mean, you look at, we have repeated common errors and mistakes of societies before. But where the Greeks and the Romans would differ is that that's how life will keep happening. Humanity just keeps repeating error after error, and life will never change. It's just one, uh, the same problem will appear in a whole different pattern or in a new light. Where Christians differ is that we would say this, as Jesus says, this is a crucial pas pas passage, if I could say it, passage as a Christian believer. I hope this passage sinks into your heart and soul because Jesus says these fascinating words that shatters that thought. He says this when he was speaking to his disciples. He says, very truly, I tell you, say this with me, whoever... Whoever, let's do it one more time, whoever, not the scholars, not those that have PhDs, not the pastors, not the ones that work for the church, but whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. You have the power with the Holy Spirit in you, whoever not just the extremely gifted, the qualified, whoever 
has the chance to do greater things than Jesus. At Wilshire Avenue, God began doing something special in this corner in downtown Fullerton 125 years ago. You'll see as you come into the sanctuary these pictures of the early church here. Now, we have a rich church history here, and we've been saying as a staff that God has done so many wonderful things in the city, at this church, and in people's lives. But we believe that the best days at Wilshire are yet to come. Because we believe that God is constantly doing a new thing, and that God is renewing all things. And so, uh, write that down in the next box. We believe that the best days are yet to come. Because Jesus said it Not just to his disciples, but he said, whoever believes can do greater things than I did while on this earth. Friends, I could just drop the mic right now. I mean, just walk out. That enough, that passage alone could transform our lives. That Jesus said those things. But let's look, let's keep going. Let's look at the third clash, the individual. Right above that third box, the individual. So Eastern Often, even to this day, Eastern religions uh, believe uh, that either whether it's a nirvana or that after dying, if you're in a place even breaking off um, patterns and and you have achieved kind of the life of perfection, you go off into the cosmos. Where the Christian thinking differs is in the value of the individual. The value, as we looked at Genesis, I was speaking to somebody afterwards and they said, well, I'm, I'm not sure Christianity was the first one that, that valued both men and women because you look at this religion coming here and, and I, I thought they brought up a great point. But then, then we looked back at the creation, back to Genesis 1.31. God created both man and women and said they are very good. Not, hey, man's really good and women, yeah, she's all right. no. God looks at women and says, this is very good. Man, very good. Notice in the clash in classical thinking. Many of us might not know this, but in Aristotle, the great Aristotle, in politics, he writes that some men, it's okay that some men would be slaves. That certain people that don't have a certain level of thinking, that they should, not that all men, but some would be okay to be slaves. And in this day and age, we would say that's preposterous. There's no way that that should be thought. And in fact, Aristotle, don't shoot the messenger, but I, I do think we need to look at this. He, he, he had a view of women that was so low that he compared men to women. He says that their women are immature, deficient. This is not God's word. This is Aristotle speaking, okay? Don't get that twisted. Deformed. And even use the word a bit monstrous. <laughs> we laugh. Aristotle had these thoughts about women that as Christians come onto the scene now, we believe that in the beginning of the faith that God creates man and woman is both very good. But then you have Christianity that clashes with Greek and Roman culture. And who shows up first to Jesus' resurrection? A woman. Who, who gives testimony, and God, you see Jesus, he spoke with the woman at the well. He healed women when in the day and age, the, the men and the women shouldn't be talking to in public in certain fear, spheres and circles. But Jesus smashes this barrier and, and begins to show the value 
of the individual, that every single person matters. So if you're here this morning, whether you believe or not, I need you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Let's look at, amen, amen. Let's look at the fourth one. So there, if you're taking notes, I almost said it. You matter to God. Uh, the third one is, you matter to God and everyone matters to God. Let's look at the fourth clash. It is human choice. So you can write that above the, the fourth box there. Human choice. Now, often uh, Greek thinking, and, and this is common in other cultures, but we're often very uh, fatalistic. So, the, for example, some of you know the story of Oedipus. Oedipus, uh, he was given this prophecy that in his life, he would at one point kill his father and then marry his mother. And the teaching was that no matter what Oedipus could do, it, he could try everything in his power to escape this. But at the end of the story, he ends up killing his father and marrying his mother. This, fate, this idea of fatalism that your, uh, your destiny is already determined. And, and so no matter how hard you try, you cannot break through. Everyone, in, in some sense, has a destiny and you can't break out of that. Where Christianity, and, and this isn't unique to Christianity, but God instills it as Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, that God puts eternity in our hearts. So God gives us these values from the moment uh, we were all created in all creation and from the very point of creation. But notice this, where Christianity does not believe in fatalism, we believe that our lives can be transformed. King David, who was a king and, and God describes him as a man after his own heart, he, he's this wonderful ruler, but then he gets into some trouble. He commits murder, he commits adultery, and, and so he's here and he makes all this, these mistakes and then it's all brought to light and the shame is on this king that had all this honor and was supposed to be a man after God's own heart. And he prays this prayer in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. There's this idea that David has, he knows God and he says, God, I need some change in my life. I've gone down a path, restore, create new in me. And so if you're taking notes, God is in the business of renewing all things. God is in the business of renewing all things. He's in the business of redeeming our broken past. Some of your failures, guess what? You can escape them. You might say, well, my family history, they've all, my dad was an alcoholic, my grandfather was an alcoholic. But God says, you know what, I can break through the deepest family roots and the deepest addictions and come through because I'm a God who renews. Your destiny is not determined. But there's a God who controls your destiny and says, I can break through and change your destiny. And so this thinking was very, it, it clashed with the thinking of the Greeks and the Romans. Now, before we get to the fifth one, I want us to pull back up this idea of belief. I want us to look at this idea because as we're exploring all of these commonalities, and you might see if you consider yourself a secular thinker or as some describe as nuns, and not N-U-N, like a nun, but 
uh, N-O-N-E, that uh, I don't, I would check the box, none of the above. I don't, I'm not Christian, I'm not theist, but, and, and wouldn't even define myself as atheist, but I, I don't believe God exists at all. I, I want us to look at that that actually might be a set of beliefs, and a lot of our common thinking in society parallels what we see is based in Judeo-Christian beliefs. Now, you, uh, I, I want to, uh, we'll tease that out in just a moment. But if you're Christian, I also want you to see that we would have a common respect and love for other people. As Paul says, I try to find in common everything I can with other people so that all might believe. My hope is in this series not to give you a set of arguments to go and take out and just to, to battle with people, but to respect people that believe differently than you. To respect them, to love them, because God cares about the individual. He cares about our history. He cares about who we are. What, what I want us to see this morning, if you consider yourself a secular or a nun or uh, a hum, you kind of follow humanism, I, I want you to see that what, when you say, I only believe these things because I'm a rational thinker, and, and I do this on a basis of beliefs and science and what can be measured, I can't understand how Christians could have faith. Let me show, as we've looked at these four things, and we'll look at the fifth, a lot of these values that you hold are based on Judeo-Christian beliefs, and now society has accepted them as normal. Since the Enlightenment, a lot of these organizations, universities, and um, uh, government programs were, were often, not all of them, but created by Christians, and then later on became secularized. So they removed Jesus out of them, yet the values of the Judeo-Christian belief were still kind of rooted in a lot of organizations that we have in this day and age. Uh, let me break down this example, that uh, there's a professor that pulls his classroom. And uh, he's pulling in and talking to his classroom. He says, now imagine there's an elderly lady who's both mute and blind. So she can't speak and she can't see. And so imagine in her purse she has a significant uh, sum of money. She's walking down the street and you know this. Now if you were to take her purse from her, she wouldn't be able to yell and you could likely pretty easily get away with it. If I told you you would never be caught, would you do it? The majority of people, whether Christians or not, this was not a Christian university, but the majority of people said, I would not do it. And so he polled them and asked them why. And, and they said, well, because of the value of that person, that we are to look after those who are weak. And he probed them, he says, well, where does that come from? It, what Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche would argue, that's actually a Christian belief. Uh, Nietzsche says this, Frederick Nietzsche, the German philosopher, um, some quotes about him says this, and, and he has a lot of contemporary allies that, that believe with this as well. In the belief that there are no moral facts and therefore ultimately no good, there is no good evil, um, and, and one of the books written that of ethics, Inventing Right and Wrong concludes that, that because science cannot prove the exist, existence of objective moral facts, they don't exist or at least we should not. Let me read this. Nietzsche's point is this. If you say you don't believe in God, uh, Keller writes this, if you don't believe in God, but you do believe in the rights of every person and the requirement to care for the weak and the poor, you are still holding on to Christian beliefs, whether you will admit it or not. 
Why, for example, should you look at love and aggression? Both parts are part of life, and they're both rooted in our human nature. And choose one as good and reject one as bad. They are both part of life, and where do you get the standard to do that? So where do you get the standard to say, no, you should value a person? Think about evolution. Evolution is that the strong should survive. That uh, the survival of the fittest. So along that thinking, well, if a woman can't survive and hold on to her own money, let that, we should put that power, that money and the power of hand, somebody that can do something with it. Not, we shouldn't let the, the, the weak have the money. And in fact, scholars have looked at, have looked at how um, Frederick uh, Nietzsche's, how his thoughts, how they affected this, and it says that, um, in the 20th century that they affected both the left and the right and ultimately affected Nazism and Stalinism. Because he argued, you can't know what's good and what's right. If we all die and go into the, into the dirt, it, it doesn't matter whether you kill somebody or not. There are no consequences. There is no God. And so who are you to say that one action is good and one action is bad? He argues it doesn't matter. And if he says, if you do think it matters, you don't know it, but you're holding on to Christian beliefs. And so he was trying to show humanists, he was almost mocking them and saying, you say you're not a believer, yet Frederick Nietzsche would say, I think you are. But I would plead with you, don't, as you look at Frederick Nietzsche's, his whole thinking, where does it lead? Because ultimately, Christians and non-Christians have beliefs. Because if you believe that we're just a series of molecules and there is no purpose, there is no meaning, then our actions ultimately don't matter. It is an illogical conclusion. It does not make sense to jump from, well, the strong should survive, just keep doing all that you do, oh yeah, and then love people. That idea to love people is a moral statement. It's a leap of faith, it can't be measured. You can't put it in a test tube, but you got it from somewhere. I would argue, as God says, he puts it in the hearts of humanity that you got this because God created you and designed you and wired you that way. Let's look at this last, this last point, the fifth one, emotions. That God this clash between the Greeks and the Romans, because you see in Greek thought, they valued Stoicism, and, and Stoic, Stoics, uh, you don't react to, when a situation comes your way, you don't react to it. You, you stay even kind of keel, and you, you stay calm. And, and so there was this idea that emotions don't have value. And, and it wasn't even until the writings of uh, St. Augustine, his book in the Confessions, that you see in, in common literature, that it was just revolutionary the way he begins to talk about the heart and the mind. Because Christians believe that God cares about our heart. In fact, Jesus says this in Luke 10, 27. He answers, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says the the object, the point, the purpose of life, God cares about the affections of your heart, your body, your soul, your mind, your strength. And he says, I care about every single thing. I want it all. Your heart is going to be devoted to something. 
and the Christian belief is what you devote your heart to will ultimately decide what your purpose and the way the direction of your life will go. And so Augustine in his confession say, you know what? Our emotions do matter. Are you broken? Are you hurt? This matters to God. And so maybe you're here this morning, you're dealing with some pain. You're dealing with something, you're hurting, you're suffering. May you know that God enters in and he cares about your emotions. That last box, God is personal and he cares about your emotions. He is personal and he cares about your emotions. All this being said, I, I want us to know, because right now in this day and age, our society is so broken, we're polarized in so many different ways, I want us to see that we don't need to bring more arguments to the, con to the table. There, there's so much hate in our nation. But maybe that we would value those that believe differently than us. But then also as we find commonalities, there is a difference. And I think as Christians, we can boldly and persuasively speak of the difference that there is a personal God. We believe there's a God that cares about us, our body our emotions. He enters into space, into time. He cares about both men and women. He cares about the individual. He cares about our emotions, and he believes that the best days are yet to come. There's a God that has not forsaken you or abandoned you, and there's others that need to hear that message of hope. And yet, sometimes as Christians, we're so quick to go up into arms and to, to bring out the differences. And maybe if you consider yourself a secular thinker, you say, well, how could Christians have that leap of faith? Maybe you would understand you take, we all take steps of faith. I believe that the Christian can intellectually follow Jesus, and I encourage you to study these things. But to know at the very same time as you study them, there's a personal God. He cares about you, and he enters into this time and space, and he enters in here today. I invite you right now, let's go to him. And let's speak to him because he promises to speak to us. And so we can do this thing called praying and speak to a God who enters into our space, our time, and entered into flesh and wants to speak to us. I invite you to pray with me, would you? Father, we thank you that somehow, some way, we, we matter to you. God, there's maybe something inside of us as we look at humanity and we see this broken world, whether we follow you or not, there, there's something in our heart that breaks when our society is so divided. May we actually know that you are a God, that this breaks your heart. That you are broken. And in fact, the scriptures say, when you walk this earth, you wept with those who wept. God, may some of us, I, I don't know everyone's situation here today, but maybe some of us are weeping. Maybe some of us uh, don't feel like we matter. Maybe there's some people here that are just dealing with pain or chronic pain or, um, or feeling like they can't break through and, and, and just leave their past behind. Father, may you enter in. God, may you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may you fall upon them here today. Maybe some of us are here today and we said, I, I can't believe, but maybe this is a point in our life where we would take a step of faith and say, God, I do believe. I, I do want to begin to follow you. I do believe in love. And I believe that you created love. God, would you end this journey, whether we're at that point or not, may we know we're loved. May this be a community that loves other people regardless of what we believe. 
And may we as followers of Jesus continue to follow you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we thank you that you enter in and you strengthen us throughout the week, not just here on Sunday mornings. I pray a blessing on everyone as they go. Father, may we enjoy you and enjoy your goodness. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.